Welcome back into Financial Matters with Richard Oring. I am John Jagay. Rich, it's just us today. First time in a while. I know it's been. We've been having guests. We're going to have to figure this out, how to do this again. Just the two of us. It'd be just like riding a bike. Uh, I am going to tell you up front, though, I'm going to pre- rely on you pretty heavily today because we're going to talk about bonds today. And this is an area that I think, like many of our listeners, I have a hard time getting my head around. So I'm hoping you can kind of give me the basics and walk me through it. Where should we start with what we need to know about bonds? Let's start off with just the basic. What is a bond? You know, everyone knows what a stock is. You know, a stock is you're purchasing a, a share of a publicly traded company. So you have ownership in that company, even mm-hmm. though it might be hundreds of thousands of millions of percentage of ownership, it is still considered ownership. Right. Whereas a bond is actually a debt instrument. So a bond is you're lending money to a company or government or an agency. And in return, you're getting interest for the money you're lending. Kind of like when a bank lends you money, you're paying them interest. But this is you lending other people like corporations or the government, I said, or municipalities or agencies money. And in return, they're paying you interest. So people talk about stocks and bonds. A stock, like you said, easier to understand. You're owning a small piece of the company. The bond, your money is going to that company. They're borrowing that money from you. That's correct. You know, Jag, I always tell clients or people I talk to, I truly believe that understanding bonds is so much more complicated than understanding stocks. I'm beginning to understand that. <laughs> so <laughs> why should our listeners consider adding bonds to their overall portfolio? Okay. So I'm going to say this, not every single client should own bonds. Okay. So depending on your goals, your suitability, it's possible that you may want to put bonds into your portfolio or other type of fixed income products. So I want to start off with that. It's not for everyone. It has to make sense. So first off is diversification. We've all heard never put all your eggs in one basket. Right. You know, spread your um, assets across multiple asset classes, like your investments are through multiple asset classes, being large cap equities, large cap values, small caps, international, emerging markets. And one of them is fixed income. There's times where people put money into fixed income for capital preservation. They believe, and there are times where it works. Uh, not usually on rising interest rates like we see right now, <laughs> but a lot of times bonds are a lot more conservative than equities. And, you know, usually we can figure out what the downside risk is and we can use it for capital preservation. Maybe we can earn a little bit more money than we can from CDs or money markets or savings accounts. And there could be a place just to try to protect some of your money. And, you know, I haven't seen this for a long, long time. Um, I got in the business in 1999, right when interest rates started going down. But back in the day, people were buying bonds and CDs for income. Yeah. You know, it was generating five, six percent income. You know, we haven't seen that for a while. But as we see right now, interest rates are going to begin to climb. Um, I was looking at some CD rates the other day for um, two year CDs and they were back 2.5, you know, 2.55 percent on some brokerage CDs. So I was kind of surprised to see those rates start climbing up. That's pretty good. So there are several reasons to have bonds. Like you said, as we say often in this podcast, it's not for everybody. And that's why you'd want to talk to a professional like Rich. What are the different types of bonds out there for someone who's interested in adding this to their portfolio? How much time do we have, Jack? (laughs) Only got about 25 minutes. So uh, let's stay top level here. Okay. So let's just go over the major types of bonds. I mean, there are so many different types of bonds out there, but let's go over the use at the top level, the broad classes. So first off are the corporate bonds. You know, there's companies out there like Ford 
who wants to raise capital. So what they do is they issue bonds and every turn they give you interest. Then we have municipal bonds. So it could be your state. It could be your local township. Those bonds are, you know, issued for projects. Maybe they want to upgrade their public utilities or the schools or the highways. Within municipal bonds, there's different types of municipal bonds, general obligation, revenue, and so forth. But in general, municipal will cover your local bonds and your state bonds. And there are some tax advantages for them. Mm -hmm. Usually we call them not all municipal bonds, but usually they're triple tax-free, tax-free from local, state, and federal. So that's an advantage. Again, not all municipal bonds will qualify for that tax advantage, but most of them will. Okay. So the first two are corporate and municipal bonds. And okay, I'm, I'm, I'm following with you so far. Corporate bonds, uh, companies to make money, they issue bonds, you buy the bond. Now they have the capital raise and they can pay you income on that. Municipal, same thing with all these projects we're seeing with uh, highways and schools, like you said, public utilities. The town needs some money, they issue bonds, you buy the bond, they use that money for what they need, and then they pay you interest on it. What else? Then there's Uncle Sam's bonds. You know, we call those the treasury securities. Most common treasury securities we see out there, again, this is not all of them, but this is the major ones, is your treasury bills. Those are short-term maturity, meaning less risk, but also less yield they're going to pay. But those are usually between four weeks to 52 weeks in maturity. Next, we have treasury notes. They go from two years to 10 years. Then we have those long 30-year treasury bonds we always hear about. And then, of course, you know, as kids, we probably were gifted savings bonds. That's a treasury, believe it or not. That's issued by our federal government. And then there's agency bonds. You know, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae are some agency bonds out there. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting the saving bonds as a kid. It's a great vehicle, but no kid wants Christmas or Hanukkah morning to get a savings bond. <laughs> Do you want to know when you want a savings bond? When? Is when you lose it or you didn't know about it. So I have a friend, she's probably uh, 45 now, and on their refrigerator is a savings bond she received when she was a child, and it got lost, and she was going through boxes of old stuff, and they found it. And when I was there, I went online, you can go to treasury.gov and put the QCIP, or I think the serial number of the CD in there, or the savings bond, I'm sorry, and you can see the value, because at some point, it will stop paying interest. But if you think about it, her savings bond is worth more than the face value by a lot. Yes, because that interest may have stopped, but it did grow to a certain point. It's like uh, the first time of the season you grab your winter coat and you reach into the pocket and you find $20 inside. And you're like, hey, I totally forgot about this. This is great. Yeah. I mean, they used to be really easy to buy. You used to go to the bank and you would, you know, make your deposit for your paycheck. And then, oh, yeah, I have to go to a wedding or a birthday party this weekend. Let me go buy a savings bond because you look like a big spender spending 50 bucks and getting a $100 one. Exactly. Well, as you said, Rich, there are a number of different types of bonds out there. We only hit on a few. How would you even start to think about which type of bond to purchase if you wanted to go this route? Okay. So first off, this particular podcast is not going to educate you enough to get all the information you need to go out and become a bond expert where I would say you should go out and buy all these bonds and build a bond portfolio. You need to do your research. And I strongly recommend because you can get hurt, especially right now with rising interest rates. Mm -hmm. So let's go over some definitions first, because I think that's the most important thing. You know, you go online, you start doing research, you don't understand the terminology. Right, that's fair. Okay. Right. Or you call your broker up, he sends you a proposal for bonds, and there's abbreviations for all these terminologies. You don't know what they are. Alphabet soup. Exactly. So first off, let's understand. Bonds are usually, usually not always, are issued in $1,000 increments. Okay. Okay. 
Then there's a coupon rate. The coupon rate is the amount of interest the bond is going to pay you. So you'll see 3%, 5%, you know, whatever, five and a quarter. And is that annually, generally? Each bond's different. It can be monthly, could be quarterly, semi-annually, or annually. Okay. Most bonds are usually semi-annually or annual. Okay. There's a term called maturity, and that's when the bond is going to mature. So when a bond matures, you get the $1,000 back. Okay. Then there's a term called callable, um, which is not always good for the bondholder. Callable is when the insurer, the company, or government, or township, state, issues the bond, and they can buy those bonds back earlier than the maturity date. Some of the reasons they might do it, maybe they have a lot of cash on hand. Mm-hmm. Why pay all this interest out? Let's call those bonds in and pay the bondholders, and then we have less cash flow going out. The other reason might be is when interest rates go down. Let's say they issued these bonds when Jimmy Carter was president, double-digit interest rates. You know, <laughs> Maybe these bonds were paying 17%. Well, interest rates have gone down over the years. So if they're able to refinance those bonds from 17, maybe to five, well, that makes sense for them to do it. So bonds can be callable. You can also buy non-callable bonds. Non-callable bonds might give you a little bit less interest though. Okay, so Rich, I want to make sure I'm still with you at this point and our listeners are as well, most of whom are probably smarter than me. So if I get it, they probably get it. So with the non-callable bond, you might have a lower rate, but it's not going to change because it's locked in. But the callable, you might get a higher rate, but it could change so there's more risk involved. Do I have that piece of it right? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. But you know what? It's really important to understand the next two terms because if a bond is callable, there's a term called yield to worse or yield to call. Mm -hmm. But before we go over that, let's talk about yield to maturity because it's much simpler to understand. Okay. It's basically the purchase price with the money they return to you, 1000 So purchase price, not all bonds are sold at initial offering at 1000 You can go on the general market to buy bonds, which have already been issued. Someone's owning them, just like a stock. You can buy and sell bonds on the open market. Mm-hmm. So if a company currently has a bond paying 5% and the, that same bond issued today, might only pay 3%. Well, the person who owns that bond isn't going to sell it to you for $1,000. They're going to charge you a premium to get that bond. So the reality is, let's say you pay $1,200 and in 10 years, you get back the $1,000. You know, these numbers I'm throwing out there are not going to calculate properly, but you'll get the idea what I'm trying to say. Purposes of example. You bought it for $1,200, 10 years from now, you get 1000 but you're getting the 5%, you know, per 1000. Okay. You're not getting 5% on the 1200. You're getting the 5% on the 1000. So in 10 years from now, you get 1000 back and you've been getting the interest off the 1000 at 5%. So you're really not getting a 5% return on your money. Mm-hmm. You're getting less than that and it should be close to what the current coupons are out on new issue when you do the math. So what you're saying is you may buy a bond for more or less than the face value due to the fluctuating interest rates, and that's a calculation that goes into it. Correct. Okay. So that's yield to maturity. So then we have yield to call, or another term for it is yield to worst. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound too good, does it? (laughs) No, it doesn't. So imagine that same bond paying 5%, and let's say you bought it for $1,200. Mm-hmm. 
And now they call it two years from now at $1,000. So you were projecting to get that 5% for 10 years, but instead you got the 5% for two years and you pay that $200 premium. Ah, okay. That's not good. No. I mean, your yield is going to be very bad and that's called yield to call or yield to worse. You need to know that when you're buying the bonds. And then you have to understand the risk of them actually calling it. Risk, worst case scenario, go into it eyes wide open. Got it. Okay. Correct. So you can actually buy bonds, which are not callable, if that's your fear. On rising interest rates, you may want to consider callable or non-callable, depending on the rate difference, Mm -hmm. how much the coupon is. The other thing you have to take consideration is the credit rating of the bond. The lower the rating, usually the higher the interest rate, the coupon they're going to pay you. Mm Mm-hmm. The better rating, just like your own credit report. Yeah. If you have a really strong credit rating, high sevens, low eights, you're going to get a lower interest rate when you have to go buy a car. Yeah. It's the same thing for these issuers of bonds. The lower their rate, the more interest they're going to have to pay for that risk someone's going to take. On a lower rated bond. Got it. Okay. So you'll hear companies like Moody's, um, Fitch, Standards & Poor's. These are some of the companies who rate bonds. Mm Mm-hmm. If you remember a couple of years ago, the U.S. Treasuries got downgraded from AAA to a AA. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that can affect a lot of different things. I don't think our government's ever going to default on our payments. But saying that, you know, right now um, it's April 21st and Russia is still in the conflict with Ukraine. You know, the war going on there and there's risk of them defaulting on their payments. True. Okay. So I guess anything can never happen. All right, talking about duration and discounted premium, other, other bond terms that I need a little clarification on, Rich. Sure. Discount and premium is what we just talked about. You could buy a bond for more than 1000 or less than 1000 So okay. if it's under 1000 it's a discount. If you're paying more, it's a premium. That's pretty easy. Okay. So duration is the one I love. You can ask financial advisors, and a lot of them won't even know what this is. You know, a lot of people say, oh, duration, that's how many years the bond matures. I'm like, no, that's maturity. Duration, and when I'm talking about duration, there's actually one called moculate duration. That's the most common one. And what that's going to show you or tell you is how much the bond price is going to be affected by a 1% change in the interest rates. Ah, which is going to be very relevant theoretically as we look at what the, uh, what the Fed has said throughout 2022. Right. So when interest rates are going up, like we saw, a lot of bondholders lost money this year. Mm-hmm. especially if they're buying intermediate bonds. Those are bonds, you know, which have a few years out before they mature. Those are going to probably have a higher duration, be affected more than what we call a short duration bonds, which have a lower time period before they mature. Okay. So bondholders to protect themselves should have shortened their duration knowing that this was coming. And this should have been done not in 2022, but in 2021. Got it. Okay. We've got to pay attention to these things. So there's always this uh, cliche out there, Rich, that bonds are safe and a safe way to invest your money. But based on what we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes here, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not always the case. No, bonds aren't always safe. And you need to know what kind of bonds and how they're secured. Are they going to be paid back through revenue from general obligation from tax revenues? You know, so there's a lot of things that go into the bonds, which you need to understand. But the biggest risks in the bonds right now are interest rate risk. Mm-hmm. We just talked about that 
when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. When interest rates go down, bond prices go up. Mm-hmm. But usually the lower the coupon, the more volatile that bond would be. Okay. The longer the maturity until that bond comes due is going to be more volatile usually. Mm-hmm. Not always, but usually. We talked about the bonds callable. That's going to increase the risk. Then there's something called reinvestment risk. Let's say you're having a bond paying you 5% and it comes due in 10 years, but the current rates are 3%. Your income just went down by 2%. I see. Okay. So there's a reinvestment risk on what you can buy after that bond comes due. Mm-hmm. And then there's the default risk. Let's use Enron. Yeah. You know, you have a few bonds in Enron. No one expected Enron to go bankrupt, right. go out of business. Now, the good thing is bondholders are usually paid before stockholders on the liquidation list, but you may be getting pennies on the dollar. Ah, okay. All right. There are so many different ways you can reduce some of this risk. You know, there's laddered bond portfolios, which means you're going to buy, let's say, a 10-year ladder portfolio. You have a bond coming due every year. Mm-hmm. So you only have one bond being reinvested. That helps with the reinvestment risk. There are a lot of different strategies. I can't list them all today. Sure. Unless you want to record episode two, three, and four for bonds. <laughs> but again, if you're going to be buying bonds, think about this and think about how you're going to protect yourself on those risks. All right. So bonds, I knew they were going to be complicated, but you've actually broken it down for me and I have got a better feel for it, but it's still a little bit overwhelming. So let's bring it back to the 30,000 foot view here, Rich, as we start to wrap up. How would somebody go about purchasing the bonds? They've made the decision, they've done their homework, they understand all the terms we've talked about today. Where do we start? Okay. So I would say the average investor probably is purchasing them through mutual funds or exchange traded funds. But again, you still need to know what you're buying. Yeah. There are diversified bond portfolios, which have a little bit of everything in there. You know, there's tax-free bonds by utilizing the the municipal bonds. So there's many different types of mutual fund, fixed income, short duration. I can keep going. Again, you got to know, you know, what you're looking for, what risk you're trying to avoid and do your research. Again, if you're working with a financial advisor, give them a call. Ask them for some recommendations and ask them for their reasoning. If you're one of those um, self-doers, you can probably call Vanguard or Schwab, whoever, and ask for their offerings. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if they'll give you advice, but they'll give you their offerings and lists. And then you can always, if you want to buy treasuries or savings bonds, treasurydirect.gov. You go right online, you open an account, and you can just buy treasuries, notes, T-bills, whatever you want, right through their website. Got it. Okay. A lot of different things uh, to consider here. If you want to know more, obviously talk to Rich. And I'm going to take back the closing here because you stole it from me in the last couple episodes, Rich. But I'm going to ask back to you, if somebody wants to talk to you about bonds or anything related to financial planning, retirement, their financial future, best ways to find you at New Century Financial Group. All right. Before I give you all that contact information, I'm going to say one last thing. You might be listening to this podcast and saying to yourself, I'm not at the age, I'm not the risk where I want to start putting fixed income into my portfolio by utilizing bonds. But you know what? Your parents might be, your grandparents might be. Yeah. Share this podcast. They need to understand about the bond markets. I can't tell you how many portfolios I just reviewed from other brokers where the bond portfolio got demolished over the last rate increase from the feds. I'm talking about a lot because they went into those bonds thinking that they were not going to lose money. Right. And they lost money. 
Now, the reality is, if they hold it for 12 years, it might come back because the bond prices could again mature at a thousand. So the closer, you know, I told you the bond prices go up and down, the closer it gets to maturity, the closer it gets to a thousand. Okay. All right. So the way you can get a hold of me is pick up the phone, call me 609-924-2049. My extension is 126. If I'm not available, hit zero. Ask one of the staff members to schedule a call with you. This way we can avoid playing phone tag. You can always go to www.ncfg.com. That's Nancy Charlie Frank George.com. On that website, you can schedule a call, a Zoom meeting, a live meeting in my office. And the last, you can always shoot me an email at R O R I N G at ncfg.com. Again, as Rich said, if you're listening to this podcast and know one person that could benefit from the stuff we talked about today, just forward it on over to them. Richard Oring from New Century Financial Group. Always a pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jack. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And again, it was really nice. It was just the two of us this time. It feels like we're dating again. I'm not sure what our wives would have to say about that, but we'll leave it there. (laughs) I think my wife would say better you than her. (laughs) Richard Oring's branch office is One Airport Place, Princeton, New Jersey, 08540. The branch phone number is 609-924-2049. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. New Century Financial Group, LLC, and Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. does not offer tax advice or tax services. Please consult your tax specialist for individual advice. We make no specific comments or recommendations on any tax-related details.